The reading is from 1 Kings 3, verse 6 to 28. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, Pardon me, my lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So, so she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living, son, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours, the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. While the other one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. Then he gave an order, cut the living child in two and give, give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my lord, give her the living baby, don't kill him. But the other said, neither I nor you shall have him, cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling, give the living baby to the first woman, do not kill him, she is the mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe, because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. When the people heard this, they held the king in awe. And I wonder whether your reaction is similar. It is an excellent judgment and a very wise solution to a, a tricky problem. It's great to be with you these three weeks, beginning today. And thanks for coming, giving up your lunch hour. Please invite others as we look at lessons from, I think, potentially, the richest man in history. I gave these talks in the City of London, and I, where people spend their day assessing people's net wealth. And so I set them the challenge of working out exactly how rich Solomon was. And uh, one lawyer returned uh, the next week to say he, he calculated his annual income was about £1 billion a year. Um, 23,000 kilograms of gold from his own mines, uh, not to mention the tribute brought those that came in from his trading fleets. Um, he was, uh, certainly in the ancient world, the richest man without comparison. And he was also a very, very clever and wise man. Let me read you another excerpt from later in the chapter. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the East and greater than the wisdom of Egypt. They were clever guys, weren't they, the Egyptians with all their pyramids? Solomon was cleverer than that. He was wiser than any other man, including Ethan the Ezraite. Wiser than He-Man, Kalkol, and Dada. Now, I don't know who these people were, but I guess they were the equivalent, very, very clever people of their age. It's, it's as if we were to say, um, if you were to in a, be in an arithmetic competition with Carol Vorderman, 
he would leave her in the dust. If he played chess with Gary Kasparov, he would checkmate within 20 moves. His fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. I love that. It's not even rounding. Um, Exactly 1,005 things. His literary output was impressive. Um, He knew the natural world. He was a biologist. He describes plant life from the seed of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He talked about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who heard of his wisdom. He was internationally renowned for being wise. I want to spend our time today thinking exactly what wisdom is and what it's like, how it's characterised as God views wisdom. And being wise is not simply the same as being clever. Now, undoubtedly, he was clever. His literary output was um, prolific. Um, His knowledge of the biological world was wide. Um, He was a clever man, but that isn't what is meant really by wisdom, at least in the Bible. And I want to um, introduce you to biblical wisdom as we see it in this passage and various characteristics it has. Firstly, um, wisdom in the Bible is moral. Not just about being clever, but about being morally right. He asks in chapter 3, Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. Uh, Not just to be clever, not just to achieve economic success, although he does, but to do morally the right thing in each situation. And here is an example of this story of the two prostitutes who bring a child um, who's alive and they both claim to be the mother. Um, And he comes up with a brilliant solution that discerns what the truth is and justice is done. Um, To be wise is to be morally wise, to discern good from evil. Secondly, wisdom in the scriptures is altruistic. And that distinguishes, doesn't it, from being clever. Often people want to be clever for their own sake. They want to be thought of as being clever. I used to be, well, I almost was an academic. I did a PhD in neuroscience before going into um, the clergy. And you're not paid very much in the academic world, but the, the great motivation is to be thought of as being clever. Um, and people, that's the highest accolade you can have. Um, but that wasn't Solomon's aim. Chapter 3, verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give to you. What an extraordinary moment. I wonder if you can think, if that happened to you tonight, God appears to you in a dream and says, What do you want? And I'll give you whatever you ask. I mean, this is an amazing moment, right? It's like the genie in a bottle, except it's not a genie, it's God himself. You've got one wish, what would you like? And Solomon says, I'm only a little child, I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people that you have chosen, a great people. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. And God said to him, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, 
but for discernment and in administering justice, I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there has never been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. God is pleased that Solomon wants his wisdom to serve others. I want to be wise, he says, to govern this, your great people. Now, of course, here in um, Westminster, um, MPs are called public servants, and it is a wonderfully Christian concept. Sadly, I guess we don't always live up to it. Um, As a minister of the gospel, I'm supposed to be literally a servant of the gospel, to serve people in the church. Not always the case. Solomon asked to be wise for other people's sake. And I love, again, this story, that the people that he helps, his wisdom trickles down to help even two prostitutes. Must have been absolutely the bottom of the pecking order. And yet they too experience justice and the right outcome from this wise king. Wisdom is moral. Uh, Wisdom is altruistic. Uh, Wisdom is equitable. It is for all people. And wisdom is a great blessing. We discover in these chapters that Israel was numerous and they were happy. It's a great blessing to be governed by those who are morally right and who are aiming to serve you rather than themselves. I guess those things are obvious, aren't they, to say. But what a great thing to to pray for the business of the House of Parliament here. That decisions wouldn't just be clever but would be morally right and that they would seek to serve others uh, rather than themselves. Uh, That is wisdom. It is moral, it is altruistic, it's a blessing, and it is extremely rare, I take it. People from all over the world come to hear God's wisdom through Solomon. It's unusual to find wisdom like this. And the most famous example, and I'm going to turn just for our second um, few minutes, to chapter 10, where Solomon receives a very famous international visitor. This is the Queen of Sheba. And you'll all know the, the music that is played as she was. In fact, I don't know if our organist would like to give us an impromptu um, as, we, as we leave today. Uh, the departure of the Queen of Sheba, we could call it. But um, let me read you from chapter 10. And as, you, as I read it, listen out for, I think, the first occurrence in literature of three extremely well-known um, English turns of phrase. When the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She's not easily impressed, this lady. I've heard you're supposed to be wise. Well, I've come to find out for myself. Arriving in Jerusalem with a very great caravan, camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all she had on her mind. Solomon answered all of her questions. Nothing was too difficult for the king to explain to her. So he passes the exam with full marks. When the Queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, and she was overwhelmed and there was no breath left in her. She said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. I didn't believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth you have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be. 
How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God who's delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. Did you notice the three? When she saw, there was no breath left in her. Literally, it took her breath away. The first time I think that phrase is ever used. And then she saw it, she says, I've seen it now with my own eyes. Second phrase. And then finally she says, I wasn't told the half of it. I love that. Three phrases find their origin just in this one paragraph. As she says, this wisdom is extraordinary. And then this wonderful statement at the end. Because of the Lord's love for Israel, he has made you king. In other words, she sees that it's a blessing, not just for him to be a wise man. I guess there'll be people uh, working here with great responsibilities on their shoulders, wanting to get it right. What a relief when you find the solution to a tricky political problem. But not just a blessing to him, but a blessing for the country. She said how the Lord must love the country to give them a king like you. His wisdom is altruistic and morally good to maintain justice and righteousness. Now, what's the lesson of King Solomon for us? We have a propensity, I think, to read stories in the Bible about heroes and to want to be the hero. So we read the story of Moses parting the Red Sea and we want to be Moses. In fact, I remember um, years ago in a Bible study group in our church, um, we were doing a study on the, the story of Moses and the burning bush, and we were using some published notes, and the question that in the book was, what burning bush experiences have you had? And I thought about it for a moment, and I thought, that has never happened to me. Um, I've never been past a bush that was on fire, um, but didn't get burnt up with God speaking from the middle of it. I've never had a burning bush experience. I'm pretty sure neither has anybody else um, who's ever read this Bible study. And there was once almost a burning bush experience, November the 5th, one of those shops that appears the week before firework night and is gone before trading standards can catch up with them. And we bought the biggest rocket we could afford with all of our budget and planted it in the garden in the east end of London and lit the fuse. And it was a cheap rocket, but it was quite a large one. And I remember distinctively it began to blast off, but because of some problem with the launch mechanism, it remained tethered to the ground. So it was blasting off, but at ground level. And suddenly somebody worked out what was about to happen. It was about to detonate. And they said, get back, we all ran into the house, and boom, quite an impressive Bible um, that went in all directions, including to next door neighbour's garden, where there was a large fluffy pampas grass plant that was suddenly enveloped in a fireball. So almost a burning bush experience with two key differences. Um, God did not speak to us from the bush. Neither, sadly, did God miraculously keep the bush from being consumed, slightly embarrassingly, for neighbourhood relations. I've never had a burning bush experience because that's a story about Moses, not about me. Um, And similarly, this is a story about King Solomon and not about us. Even though some of you, I guess, have the responsibility of governing this great nation. And it would be a great thing to pray for wisdom that was altruistic and that was morally right. But ultimately, this isn't about any of us. It is about the King of Israel, King Solomon, um, who was, I don't know how many generations, I haven't 
counted it, but the great, 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 and then some more grandfather of King Jesus. And the one who would rule with wisdom that was entirely selfless and altruistic. Um, with wisdom that wasn't just intelligent, but that was morally just. Uh, wisdom that would care for everybody in society, even the prostitutes. Wisdom like that, you see, is a great blessing, and yet it's very, very rare. And so the Queen of Sheba says of Solomon, we might paraphrase for King Jesus, how much the Lord must love Israel, how much he must love his church to give them a king like this, so that one day all of us can look forward to if we trust in Jesus a world with perfect justice and righteousness. A world with somebody sitting on the throne who is a servant who looks to the needs of others. What a great blessing that will be. Well, today the wisdom of Solomon. Next week the worship of Solomon. Come and hear about his temple, one of the great wonders of the ancient world. Um, And the extraordinary insight he had about what the temple was for And it may surprise you. It wasn't what I expected. Please come back next week. Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, how you must love this world to give us a king such as the Lord Jesus. Thank you for his wisdom, his altruism, his moral righteousness. Thank you for the blessing he is for everyone who turns to him. Amen.